Welcome to the Get More Success Show. He's a guy who never measured a man's success by the size of his what? It's showtime. 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 And now, here is your host, Warwick Mary. Welcome back to another episode of the Get More Success Show. Now today. We're talking with a man who is currently homeless. Well, when I say homeless, <laughs> it's not that he's homeless, but he's in between houses. And we'll, we'll find out more about it. He's an architect of sorts and has created very many things. And I've known him for a long time and he's a friend of mine. Please welcome to the show, Jeff McDonald. Welcome. Thanks, Warwick. Great to be here. Good to talk. Um, now, I'm going to start off, uh, as I do with all my guests, and, and ask you that first question of, so how do you define success? I think that's such a great question. I really had to think about this. Um, What I came back to was I love my work. And the favourite quote for me comes from the Buddha. And he said, your work is to discover your work and then with all your heart give yourself to it. And I thought that sort of sums me up because I get a lot of people saying to me, oh, you shouldn't be working on the weekends and you shouldn't be working on the evenings. And it's like, well, Sometimes if I sat down and said, what do I want to do on the weekend or in the evening? I'd actually say, I want to do some of my work. Yeah. And I, and you know, there's days when I hate it as well. Don't get, don't get me wrong. And there's other things I like to do on the weekend as well. You know, I like to go to coffee and you know, whatever, but I'm getting a real joy out of doing my work. And I think the key is that it's, it's almost like that purpose piece. Mm. My success is me doing my work. And then, sh- and, and basically it's writing stuff, it's ideas, it's creating concepts, it's publishing blog posts, writing books, that sort of stuff. That's what I love to do. Mm. And if I can generate ideas and things that are valuable and useful for other people and partly leave a little bit of an imprint behind to say, hey, here's what Jeff did with his life, like a body of work, then I'm really satisfied. So that's my, I guess it's partly internal success, but it's also hopefully from that base that's what I think I'm good at. That's where I can make the biggest difference for people. That that's really the way I measure myself. Yeah. And it's funny how work sometimes is, is almost like a dirty word. Like, oh, why are you working on the weekend or why are you working after hours? Yet it sounds like in doing what you do, it's not necessarily work. It's, it's a passion, it's enjoyment and it gives inner fulfillment. So why wouldn't you do it? Yeah. Well, it's like, to, and I don't mean if there's any clients listening, please don't take this the wrong way. <laughs> I actually don't like working with clients. I much prefer working on my own projects because I get to choose. I get to move quickly. I get to say yes. I get to say no. I'm going to do it this way. Whereas with clients, it's a whole other ball game around. Yeah. I've got to find out what they want. I've got to answer to them. I've actually got to do what they want, even when I might have a different opinion. So it's a freedom to actually, as a creative, to create my own stuff. And I think it's no different to having a hobby of, I don't know, model trains or surfing or whatever. It's go where your juice is. Yeah, yeah. Juice out of what I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so let's talk a bit about what you do. Now, you started off pretty much as, a, as a, like a building architect, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I studied for a long, long time, seven or eight years. I practiced for about two more after that, and then I yep. quit. <laughs> so but like and during that time i mean you've, you've got a, a degree and a master's degree in architecture and you've presented at um, two of the biggest architectural conferences in the world so in in many ways that is there are they are measures of success there but what was it that a drew you to architecture and then b forced you to want to leave it <laughs> drew me to architecture well the true story is i actually fell into it backwards 
Um, I was actually going to be an accountant. Could you imagine me as an accountant? Uh, get creative with those numbers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll finish up in jail with that approach. Um, so I actually put down all my high school certificates. I was going to do accounting. But the problem I had was the only reason I wanted to be an accountant was because I thought, oh, yeah, I'm a teenager. I want to be rich. I'll need to be an accountant to work out how much money I'm going to make. But I could never get my balance sheets to balance. I always got 95%. But Roger Burrows always got 100%. And I'd be going around chasing, where's that last thing? That Why won't this balance? And I thought, oh, God, that's going to drive me insane. So yeah. one day I went to the careers teacher and he said, oh, I don't want to do accounting anymore. And he said, what would you like to do? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> and he said, you like graphics, don't you? Oh, yes, I like graphics. Okay, there's a drafting course in, at the Gordon in Geelong where I was living. Why don't you do that? So I thought, okay, that sounds good. So I went and did that. I spent the whole year designing houses and then swapped over to architecture from there. So that's the, right. I literally did fall into it backwards. But I think I was really well suited to architecture, except I wasn't a very good fit in practice. Right. Because I'm a big picture guy and I love the ideas, but most of designing a building is all the details. Yeah. And that drove me nuts. Right. You know, people were ringing up, oh, how do you screw this thing into that? And you know, yeah. what does that thing fit next to? And have you got a waterproof membrane in between? And I'm like, no. <laughs> so I could present at the conferences because I had a big picture about where the future of the industry was going, but I actually hated the actual designing of buildings. So Right. Okay. Well, so you've gone on from there and you've become um, the ideas architect. Tell me more about that. What is an ideas architect and, and what does that mean? Like what have you been doing with your clients there? Yeah, well, that became, what I always said to people was I still felt like I was designing like an architect. It just wasn't buildings anymore. And mostly my clients were um, speakers, trainers, coaches, consultants, subject matter experts. And they nearly all either needed um, some information products, so books, um, I finished up doing games, board games. Um, there might be training tools that they might have. And the other side of it was like the presentation stuff. So it might have been a seminar. It might have been slides for keynotes. It might have been a full keynote, that sort of stuff. And that really is my world too. And that's what I love doing for myself is creating stuff in those forms, creating information products basically. Right. And so what's some of the quirkiest information? You talked about creating games. Like what, what sort of games have you created? <laughs> um, there was a game for empathy which was done in a very short period of time and dare I say it I don't think hit the spot very well right. because games just particularly board games need a lot of testing yeah. you've really got to come up with an idea then test does this deliver the result a bit like running a training program then you've also got to play it out and go does this get the result in the time frame you want to play the game you know, so if Monopoly and you only had 10 minutes to play Monopoly, it wouldn't work. You really need to allow two or three hours and the timing, you just have to play the game out. So a lot of development work in there. I've created another one, which was a leadership game for global leaders. And it was almost like a, a world war game. You know, they, they actually owned different parts of the planet, different countries. But what would always happen is they'd always come into conflict with the other players. And that was the point they either had to collaborate or basically fight them in a war. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. so it's like, let's work together or fight. They're the two yeah. options. Well, they were the two extremes. There were always other ways. And when yeah. you had five people playing it, it was like 
oh, I can collaborate with you, but we could work against this person or we could work with that person. So it actually, there was a lot of gray in there as well. So it wasn't just, let's just conquer you. But It, it sounds like that would be a great game for global presidents to play as sort of a, <laughs> uh, a, a way of adjudicating as to whether or not they had the skill set to be able to do the job. Well, the funny analogy to that was when we were kids and we played Monopoly, the game always ended when we had a fight and mum came over and said, stop it. And I reckon yeah. that's what would happen if the global presidents got together. Yeah, yeah. Tantrums thrown when people didn't get their way. <laughs> and, and I think that's, there's many people, the way that Monopoly ends is when someone just hits the board up in the air and goes, <laughs> screw this, I've had enough, you know. Yeah, that's usually what happened in our family. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, it's interesting that you've, uh, you've published many different books um, and a whole lot of e-books and you've, you've generated a lot of content. So in your latest book, Done, you've described that you've actually got a long history of not getting things done. Yeah. Um, well, the, the story I tell is that when I bought a new laptop, I previously had a big desktop that had this really big hard drive on it. And normally when you swap the files over, you just press the button and migrate all across. But because it had a small hard drive, I actually had to be selective about it. And I thought, okay. Let's just copy that across and copy that one across. And it's like, oh, there's an old book I started. Oh, I never did finish that. I finished up with 25 unfinished books. And what I realized, I had a bit of a drama a couple of years ago. I had a business partnership with someone and it went south. And I was almost broke. And I realized when I looked at the situation, yeah, that guy did the wrong thing by me. But in the same way, had I actually finished all my projects over the years, I actually would have had income, reputation, experience. And I would have got out of it really easily. And I realized when I started counting up all these projects, there was at least 25 different books that I'd started that had anywhere from 50 to 100 pages in it. They weren't just an empty folder with book title on it. Yeah. I had about 10 um, games of different sort that were never published. Um, there was a whole bunch of other things that were sort of similar. And I realized that, the things I got done were the short-term things. So BookRap is a really good example. So BookRap was my book summary service where I'd read a book and I'd rewrite it and redesign it. And it would take me about five days to do the whole thing. And I realized that was about my concentration span. If a project went for about five days, I was done. I could just stay on track and I could drive through and I could nail it. But with the book projects and some of the other ones, they took months yeah. and that's when I lost the plot. So anything that was longer or a bigger project, I found it really hard to stay on track. Right. And so have you been able to address that? Do you stay on track for some of the longer term stuff now? Or are you focusing on some of these short term projects? Because that's where your, your strength is. It's kind of both. The trick is for me, particularly as a, partly it's a, I'm a creative. So I get into a project and I start going down one track and then I realize, oh, that looks interesting over there. I'll just head over there. The and bright, shiny object. Oh, there's one. Yeah, they, they pop up all the time. And particularly when I have coffee, the ideas just come yeah. to me and I, I'm hopeless. Um, but what I worked out was to do the longer-term projects, I just need to have shorter-term focus. Right. So it might be a three-month project, but all I have to do is focus on this one week. Right. Finish that result. And the whole minimum viable product thing that comes out of the startup world works for me to go, okay, just finish that this week. So that my book done, I didn't write one book. I wrote a chapter and published that. 
a week later, okay, next chapter, publish that and so forth. And then by the time I had seven or eight chapters, I had mostly a book. Then I could go back and check, oh, actually, does this make any sense as a sequence now? Yeah, so yeah. I just got to find better ways to work. So, because, you know, even though you, you might say to yourself, oh, there's plenty of books that I haven't written, you have written, like, how many books have you written? Like eight? Is it eight, eight. books? So that's actually pretty good. But when I tell you the story about five of them, they were all written in a week. Wow. So it might be that I had the research or whatever, and then I just went, Bleh, Yeah, okay. got it out as quickly as I could. The okay. ones where I failed with the books were the ones that I tried to research and write and blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. What I generally suggest to people, if they really want to write a book, start blogging. Do it one article at a time and right. work back and forth from those small chunks to the bigger chunk about what that final book will look like. So your book done is about getting things done. Yeah. So what, what are, and you've, you've said a couple of your secrets in terms of, you know, break it down into short and short term, easy, achievable sort of checkpoints, so to speak. What yeah. other tips have you got about getting stuff done? Cause a lot of listeners out there will be like, Oh man, that's so me. I get sidetracked by the bride and shot or I procrastinate or I'll, I'll just have another coffee or I will put that off to next week or I'll, you know, there's always a reason as to why now is not the time to sit down and do the thing. So from your research and your experience, what are some of the tips on getting the thing done? Yeah, well, I think, so firstly, I'd say if, if you, some people are really good at to-do lists and you were talking to Stuart Snooks and a couple of episodes ago about email and the whole approach to zero inbox is like having a to-do list where you go, okay, I'm going to work through these emails and I'm just going to tick them off, done, 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 done. If you can do that and, and your task focus like that, that's probably all you need to do. Whereas I get bored with detail around emails and ticking things off to-do lists. So that's where it doesn't work for me. But that's still part of what we need to do. We need to be clear about what the action is. So if we're not clear on the action or the result we're trying to produce, we can get lost. So that's one tip. The other ones that I think are the bigger picture items are ones like habits are really popular right now. And so a lot of the habits are about so think about brushing your teeth. There's a habit there that you do and you probably don't even think about it. And we just need to find the habits that are actually going to get us in probably three phases. One is getting us ready to work and doing the things we need to do. So think of Usain Bolt doing some stretches. He's not running yet. He's just preparing to run. So how do you prepare to get work? So that's an important part of it, which is mostly skipped. Most people think they can just walk up to their desk and sit down and work and some days it works, but some days it doesn't. The other thing is we want to be really clear about our habits of what are, how do we work. So a lot of people either sit here and just sit at the key, keyboard for hours on end, but your productivity basically takes a huge dive. I think the Pomodoro method, which basically works in, say, 25 minutes, you set the timer, 25 minutes, work flat out, and then take a five-minute deliberate break, get away from your computer, come back. Those sorts of things set the mind up to do work and then not work. We have this fuzzy thing where we sort of not work and we're half working, yep. which brings us to multitasking. Don't multitask. You're way more likely to stress yourself out, wear yourself out, and you'll actually make more mistakes because the brain can't do two things at once and it keeps jumping back and forth, back and forth, and it feels fast, but it's actually slower. Yeah. And the two levels of that are, 
try to avoid doing two tasks at once. So watching TV, talking to someone while you're whatever. And don't do two projects at the same time. Try to batch your projects or your tasks. So if you've got two projects on, make Monday project one. So you can go really strong and deep in one project. And maybe Tuesday is project B, where you can go long and deep into that project. And you'll get more results with less effort from there. The other one that's the big one um, for me around, say, the architecture background is get your environment to work for you. There was a classic study they did and they said they worked out the number one reason people were likely or who they were likely to collaborate with came down to how close they sat next to them. Wow. <laughs> Which is kind of like, what's that about? It would have been <laughs> that guy down the hall who knows something about it, but no. If you're hanging around those people, they're more likely to collaborate than the people they don't hang around with. Makes sense, right? So the principle of if you want to do more of something, bring it closer to you. Right. So the example would be if you want to do more exercise, put your exercise bike in the bloody lounge room if need be. Like that might be extreme. The other version is put things that you don't want to do further away. So, for example, in the supermarkets, the things they want to buy, want you to buy are actually at eye level. So there's a whole structure around way things are put in shelf on the supermarket, depending on who's paying how much money and where the profit margins are and all the rest of it. But if things are at eye height, you're likely to grab it. Right. So if you don't want to eat chocolate, put it somewhere that's harder to get to. Like almost if you have to get up on a chair to get your chocolate or something like that. And the classic example of that would be don't fill up your bowl of chips and leave it next to you. Fill your bowl up and then put the chips away. Yeah. This makes it a bit harder to go and get more each time. And yeah, it's yeah. thinking about our work in those ways starts to talk about how does our environment shape what we do. And the other part of that is we want to have not a room full that we'd go mad if we had a room full of pictures all around us, but we want to have pictures of the things we're aspiring to so we can re be reminded, oh, I'm doing this because I want to, go to Bali or I want to buy that new car or whatever the thing is, but yeah. also have scoreboards around, you know, what are your measures? What are your results? What are you working towards? So you're constantly reminded about the things you want to stay on track with. Right. And so that's around that whole adage of what gets measured gets improved. So it is that, you yeah. know, if, if you've got a goal or a level of success you want to head towards, you've got to measure it. So, you know, you're on the path, which inspires you to do that little bit more and just that little bit more. Yeah. And a lot of it, if there was one universal that getting your projects done comes back to, it's about motivation. And that's partly like what I was talking about before. If you're task focused, your motivation is to complete the task. Whereas I'm not task focused. I'm more creative, exploring type focus. So I actually have to build a motivation around my project. Right. And so if you're not getting things done, go back to your motivation and check why am I doing this immediately, but also what does this lead to down the track? So what about getting rid of bad habits? There's a lot of people I know who are seduced by social media. Um, and I'm talking about other people, wouldn't be talking about me. Um, where, you know, first thing they'll do when they sit at their desk is open up, say, Facebook or Twitter or whatever else. And then that becomes a big chunk of their day. So how do you... Um, or... or we, we sometimes we will pick up procrastinative habits like, oh, I must get myself a coffee every hour or I must, you know, 
how do you fight the things that you don't want to do? Because it's hard to say, oh, well, let's move Facebook further away from yourself because it's like, well, it's on my computer. So how do you stop doing, how do you stop the habits that are not serving you? Um, I'd approach it from a couple of ways. So firstly, I'd look at what the cost of that habit is. So if you actually, so a good one around social media, if you actually added up how much time you spent on social media, and let's say it was, let's say half an hour a day, which apparently the average is something like an hour to two hours a day, which may or may not fit for those people listening. Um, But let's say you were spending half an hour a day on social media every day of the week, that's three and a half hours. Then you start to go, okay, what's the alternative here? And you might go, well, I like hanging out with my friends. Social media is good. But you also might say, if it's three and a half hours or if it was an hour a day and you go, it's a full working day of seven hours, you might go, hey, that's abuse somewhere else I could actually do something with. Imagine, you know, that might be my part-time business. That might be my health and fitness. That might be actually hanging out with people face-to-face, heaven forbid. Um, But it might be, if you can get the cost of what it is, that's one angle. The other thing is, I'm a big power of, um, so the environment piece is looking at structure. So structure beats no structure. So if you don't have a plan for the day, you'll just wander through your day and whatever happens, happens. But if you actually plan and structure your social media time and actually time it, two things will happen. You'll get more specific about what you want to achieve from your social media just by, oh, I've only got 15 minutes. What am I going to get done? But you'll also probably get more satisfied because there'll be that feeling of, I did it. I did social media. I ticked it, but then I moved on. And if you can build that, and that's part of that enjoyment out of a habit, make it a habit that works. Okay. The other one they talk about for habits is sometimes you've got to replace habits. They used to talk about with smoking that quitting smoking was hard because it wasn't just about the puff and the enjoyment. It was actually the whole routine of having something in your hands and maybe even having a break with your mates. So you've got to look at what else is going on around it. So is social media about the fear of missing out? What are my friends up to? I need to find out what's going on. And that's often what it is for a lot of us around our email. We check our email 10 times a day because we're living in hope that the dream client's going to land in our email. (laughs) And it's like, well, maybe, but probably not. So if you can actually realize that's why you're checking your email, you might just go, oh, that's not going to happen. Maybe yeah. I should do some work and try to make it happen. So that would be a few different ways to tackle that one. Yeah, yeah, great. Hey, um, uh, we've got a couple of minutes left, but I want to talk about Project Done. Yeah. So did, did after writing the book, did that just evolve into Project Done? How did, that, how did Project Done, what is Project Done and how did that come about? So it's basically, um, it's a, a 12-week program where we have 10 sessions and we walk people through creating their projects. So we talk about habits, we talk about environment, we talk about motivation, all that. And one of the big ones that comes out of what people need for their projects is a level of accountability. And where it came from was I realised I was crap at projects. But it didn't, at that point, I didn't realise that I could actually run it for other people. It was only when I shifted the context such that I had to take, so rather than fix my problem of unfinished projects, I realized that if I actually was accountable to other people about my projects, that would actually shift the context and I'd relate to it in a different way. So out of that, I came up with the idea I could coach other people and by coaching them, I damn well better get my own project done. So that's where it came from. 
And the book came out of that. So the book was my first project. I wrote the course and the book for the first 12 week program. That was my result. So I run a project at the same time. So I keep myself moving. So that's really the selfish piece that project done is me having an accountability group that pay me to run my projects. And the deal is as long as I help them get their projects, then we're all happy. Right? Yeah. yeah. That's, that was the designing of my life and my projects so that I could actually give myself the best chance to succeed. Um, and well, let's, let's talk a little bit about your life. I alluded in the introduction that you're in between houses at yeah. this time. So what's your, what's your vision for, for where you're going to be? Like you were saying earlier that you're not planning on settling down anywhere. What's, I'm just really interested as an entrepreneur uh, of your living what other people are dreaming about. So share a bit with us, with our listeners as to what you're doing. So the, the goal of, or the frame I've set for myself, the goal is anywhere, anytime. And I just came up with the vision that I'd like to work in New York this week or I'd like to work in Bali this month or I'd like to live in Geelong and see my parents next month or something. And I thought, okay, how can I design my work such that I could actually do it from anywhere and also be working on my own projects because that's where I get my greatest joy. So I figured I've got some good presenting skills. I'm good at, I've got an instructional design background. I know how to train things. I know how to coach people. I know enough about the online space to actually create a program. So I created the program. And by being able to deliver it from anywhere, I've actually decided I packed up my house in January, gave away all of my furniture. <laughs> I made about 100 bucks from getting rid of all my furniture. I was like, okay, someone got a good deal out of it. It wasn't me. Um, I've got rid of half of my clothes. I've got rid of over a thousand books. So people who know me, I always had bookcases and bookcases of books. I'm down to about 50 books and I reckon about 30 to 40 of them are going this week. So I'm going to keep it down to maybe 10, maybe less. So the goal is that I need to be mobile or I want to be mobile. I don't have to be, but the goal is get rid of my stuff so I can be more mobile. So then as I earn my money and I don't think I need to earn a lot, if I can get 10 grand a month consistently from my online program, I can live in most places on the planet and that's where we're going. So we'll see how that plays out. That's my project. And that's, that's really cool. It's, it's very much the Cortez is, you know, arriving in, in South America and then burning the ships. Cause there, there is no going back. Yeah. You've, you've essentially, you've burnt your ships. There is no house. There is no furniture. I have no books. I have no clothes. I'm living mobile cause I have no choice. Yeah. It's, I think that's part of it. It's sometimes we take on things, but, we give ourselves an accident and it's too easy to go out. There's, there's mixed evidence around that you should tell people what your goal is. So some people benefit from sharing their goal publicly because then they're more accountable to people they've told the goal. Other evidence suggests you're actually better to keep it to yourself, but I think you've got to box yourself in and make sure you go down the path. It's too easy to go back. Yeah. And also really, if push come to shove, I could go and rent a house and go to Ikea and fill it up again with stuff. Yeah. 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 And that's, you know, but it, it, at the moment it's going to be easier to continue down the path than it is to go on. Oh, uh, what have I done? Oh my God. I've got to go and buy a whole lot of furniture again. So, yeah. 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 That's I've fantastic. had a few days. Sorry. I've had a few days like that where I've wondered what happened. What have I done? <laughs> but that's only natural. And you would get that with any project, wouldn't you? It's like you'd be halfway through a project going, oh, is this the right thing? And you've just essentially got to back yourself and keep going. 
Yeah, I, it was kind of funny. I'd sort of reached an impasse until a couple of days ago and then I was watching Netflix and found the minimalists who are guys that have been living minimally for a while. It's become a bit of a movement. And I got a real new sense of excitement about, oh, okay, I need to go further because I had three big tubs of clothes and this guy pulled out his one suitcase that had about three shirts and two pairs of pants for his next 10 months. Uh, okay, there's another level here. So as much as I might have gone from where I was a couple of months ago, there's a whole other level of people living on it with a backpack. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see and, what happens. And if you want to take it to what I see the ultimate step, there's a character called Jack Reacher that Lee Child writes about. He only owns the pair of clothes that he wears and he wears the pair of clothes and then after about four days, he'll go to a cheapy shop and buy a new set of clothes and put all these dirty clothes in the bin. So that's that, that's an extreme level, but um, you know that's that's it's always interesting. Jeff, I thank you so much for your time today. Great to hear about all the different things that you've been in, involved in. If people want to get in touch with you to find out more about the the book wrapper or project done or your coaching or speaking services, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Um, probably two websites. So project done is projectdone.com.au. That's pretty easy. And then the other one's my site, which is jeffmcdonald.com. So G O F F McDonald as in Ronald McDonald.com. So, excellent. Great. Thank you so much for your time to time today, Jeff. It was excellent talking to you. Thank you. Well, I appreciate it. Love talking to you too. You've been listening to another episode of the get more success show. I'm your host, Warwick Mary. Thanks for your company. I look forward to you joining me again next time. Thanks for listening to the Get More Success Show with Warwick Merry. Continue the conversation with other successful people over at getmoresuccess.com. That's where you'll find all the show notes as well as a link to our Facebook group that we'd love for you to join. Getmoresuccess.com is also where you'll find all the information you need to connect with me, your host, Warwick Merry. Thanks for listening and until next time, enjoy your success. <laughs>